and I just felt that the Lord just just laid something on my heart which at the time didn't really make much sense and it was that we've all been crying out asking to asking for God to to move move in our hearts and move on us as a church so that we can impact people out there not for in here although we need it as well but it's so that we can impact the world and just after the 21 and the tongues was it was interpreted by Janice Taylor and the tongue said God has heard your cry that it was that simple God has heard your cries and it was said twice nothing else just that God has heard your cries and I just want to share some some thoughts that I think believe the Lord just laid on me regarding God hearing our cries and his response to that and our response to that as well and I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3 and it's, it's talking about the time when the Israelites were under persecution in Egypt and they'd been crying out to God they'd been living in Egypt pretty well in the land of Goshen they'd had things fairly easy for quite a while but the the Pharaoh that had then taken over saw them as a threat they were too numerous in number and he decided to subject them to cruel slavery in order to oppress them and great cries was going up to God from the people Lord where are you where are the promises that you made to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob yeah where's the promise of us going into the promised land and being in a land filled with milk and honey and the Bible tells us that the cries of the people went up to God and he heard their groaning and he remembered the promise he'd made to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and the Lord looked down on his people Israel and he knew it was time to act so God heard their cries and God thought it's time to act and it made me wonder when the Lord said to us I've heard your cries is he getting ready to act us again because can you I don't know about you but can you feel that something is changing it's changing in us it's changing in the church it's changing in the world so is God getting ready to act again upon the cries of his people and I'm going to start reading from chapter 3 and we're going to read all the way through onto chapter 4 so one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the priest of Midian he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see. And when the Lord saw Moses come in to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for the ground you are standing on is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them from Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. 
It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have now seen and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is the sign that I, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And this is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel and tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me I've been watching closely and I've seen how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from the oppression in Egypt and I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites and the Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them, and then they will let you go. And I'm going to stop there because we're going to look at two things this morning. Firstly, it's going to be that when God heard the cries of the people, he chose to use a man as part of his plan of rescue. And it makes me think when God said he heard our cry, how many of us is he hoping to use in his plan of salvation for people outside? How many of us? So we're going to look at what Moses' reaction was when God called him. And we're also going to look at in, in a few verses in chapter 4 where God gave Moses three miraculous signs. And these signs were given to prove to the people that it was God who sent him. But we're not looking at it from that perspective this morning. We're going to look at what the signs would have meant to Moses personally. Not so much what it would have meant to people outside. So first of all, there's just a few, a few points to just reflect on in that first part of the scripture we've just read. First and foremost, God heard the cries of his people. You know, sometimes we think God is deaf to our crying. He's blind to our suffering. He's blind to what is going on out there. But God hears and God sees. And he says, I've heard their groaning. I've seen what's going on. I'm well aware of it. 
then God chose to use an imperfect human being who had a complicated and checkered past. For anyone who doesn't know the story of Moses, a very brief praisey, he was born a Hebrew at a time when Pharaoh was destroying all the Hebrew boys. So his mom hid him for three months and then she put him in a, a basket and floated him onto the river Nile to see what would happen to him. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter, the very Pharaoh that was destroying the Israelites, found him and opened in the basket. She saw that it was a Hebrew child, but she saw that the child was fair. There was something about him that made her think, I'm not gonna throw this child into the river. And she decided to raise him as her own son. And first of all, she gave him back to his original mom to wean him without even knowing it was his mom. And once he was weaned, he went back to the palace to be raised as an Egyptian. Nothing to do with Hebrews. The Hebrews were the lowest of the low in the Egyptians' eyes. So he grew, he ate, he, he lived as an Egyptian. But there came a time when Moses was made aware that he was actually a Hebrew. I'm sure there were people in the palace in Egypt who didn't like the fact that this Hebrew was now living as one of them and living better than them as a prince. So they may have actually told him, you're actually, you're not one of us. So at some point in his life, he became aware that he was Hebrew. And he went back to identify with his people. And when he saw an Egyptian man beating on an Israel and a Hebrew, he attacked him and killed him. So he committed murder and he buried his body and hid it and thought no one knew about it, but he was seen. And the next day when he went back and he saw two of his Hebrew brothers fighting and he tried to step in between them, they basically said to him, who do you think you are? Who are you to come and tell us? Are you gonna come and, do you think you're one of us? Are you gonna kill us the way you killed that Egyptian? And Moses fled for his life because he was under threat of death from Pharaoh for killing an Egyptian. So this man didn't live a perfect, fantastic life. He would have had difficulties growing up as a Hebrew in an Egyptian palace. He would have had difficulties seeing his Hebrew people knowing I'm actually one of them. You can imagine all the turmoil that went on in his life. But God chose this man specifically. Whatever he saw in him, God chose this man to work through. And the third thing we see is that God got his attention. Moses had fled into the wilderness, away from all the difficulties in Egypt, away from the threat of his life, away from everything. And he was now in the wilderness tending sheep. And I'm sure in that place, he, he must have had a bit of peace. I haven't got to try to pretend I am what I'm not. I haven't got to try to please anyone. No one's attacking me, no one's threatening me. And when he was out with the, sh the sheep, he was in total control in a place of, you can imagine, it's just in the wilderness, nothing bothering him. And it was during this time that God chose to get his attention. And God knows how to get our attention. When he's ready to call us to do something, he knows how to get our attention. Whatever it is that he needs to do, he knows how to reach us. And God called Moses. Maybe it was the curiosity in him that made him, when he saw that bush, he wanted to go over and have a look at it. And the Lord said to him, don't come and introduced himself. He told him who he was. 
He called Moses by name. And the Lord says, I am the God of your father, the God of your ancestors. So God made Moses know in no shadow of a doubt who it was that was calling him, who it was that was speaking to him. And when Moses realized that, the Bible tells us he fell on his face because he realized he was in the presence of the almighty God. And God showed Moses. Moses didn't have to tell him what was going on in Egypt with his people. He didn't have to tell him what was going on in his own life. In the scripture that we've just read, God told Moses, I'm fully aware. I know what's been happening. I know the oppression. I know the difficulties. And church, God knows our struggles. He knows our fears, our doubts, our worries, our concerns for our families, our friends, our whatever. God knows what is going on outside those doors. And he knows what's going on in here as well. And he made Moses perfectly aware that I know, you don't have to tell me, I'm the one that's called you, I know. And the Lord had not forgotten his promise to Egypt, to the, to the Israelites, that he would rescue them. And I remember, I mean, Simon remembers it better than I do, but a couple of years ago when the Lord said to me, there would be a shaking in the church and there would be many people who would leave people who you thought were stalwarts of the church, they would go, and it would cause an uncertainty amongst the, the family of God. But the part of that message that we don't always remember is that God says the remnant was to stand fast, stand firm and stand fast, because the Lord promised through the prophet Jeremiah that he would restore his church in the Valley of Dry Bones. He would bring us back, he would restore us, he would strengthen us, he would breathe on us and he would make us effective, a mighty army to go out and affect this world. That was God's promise to us. And he hadn't forgotten his promise to Moses and God hasn't forgotten his promise to us. He hasn't forgotten that promise. And so he told Moses, I know, and I've got a plan. Moses didn't have to go to God and say, this is what I think you should do. God had a plan and his plan was to use this man as part of his plan to rescue his people. And up until that point, Moses would have been pretty much okay about that. Just like us, if God says to us, church, I'm gonna cause miracles to happen out there. People are gonna flock into the church because they're gonna be aware that the presence of God is here. We'd all say, fantastic, Lord. But as soon as the Lord says to Moses, now go, I'm sending you, all of a sudden it all changed. And Moses started to object, but Lord, can you identify with that yourself? If the Lord came here right now and said, I'm sending you and you and you and you to do something, it's normal. Initially, we're going to go, me, what can I do? Who am I? And that's what Moses says. Who am I? Who am I to go before Pharaoh? And to be honest, his, his objections were quite valid. Initially, they were based on fear. Moses knew if he went back to Pharaoh, the chances are he wasn't going to get out of there alive. He was under sentence of death for killing an Egyptian. So God was asking him to face his fear and go back to Egypt and address the very man who wanted to kill him. But the Lord said to Moses, 
It's okay, I'll be with you. You don't have to worry. The same God who spoke to you at the burning bush, I will be with you to protect you, to guide you, to keep you. And then Moses' doubt came in. And he said, but Lord, you want me to go to the Hebrews and tell them the God of our ancestors has sent me. But they're going to say, which God are you talking about? Remember, Moses was raised as an Egyptian. And Egyptians worshipped many gods, Anubis, Osiris, God of this, God of death, God of this. So which God would Moses be talking about? And he was afraid that he wouldn't be endorsed in front of the people. They would look at him and go, you ain't one of us. We ain't listening to you. So Pharaoh wanted to kill him and the Hebrews would just reject him. But the Lord said to him, tell them I am sent you. Not I am the God of, like Anubis is the, let's have a look at right here. Anubis is the God of cemeteries, embalming, and the protector of graves. Osiris is the God of rebirth and death. The Lord God isn't the God of anything. He's the God Almighty. He's the creator of all things. So when he said to Moses, I am who is sending you, he wasn't saying I am the God of this or the God of that. He said, I'm the God of it all. I cover everything everything I am who I am I am who I need to be I am who I will be he's Elohim the God Almighty the all-powerful the all-present so he was trying to say to Moses you don't have to be afraid when you go before the Hebrews when you tell them my name Yahweh the Lord they'll they'll recognize they'll know it's me you're talking about me not about one of the Egyptian gods and the Lord revealed his plan completely to Moses. He told him what he was supposed to do, where he was to go, who to talk to and what to say. So there was nothing that Moses himself had to do except to be obedient. It was all laid out for him. But after God had laid everything out for Moses, he dealt with his objection of fear and he dealt with his objection of doubt. Then it came down to Moses just saying, you know what, God, I just haven't got the faith. Because as we read in chapter four, the verse first in chapter four, it says that Moses protested again. What if they just don't believe me or will listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? And this is the other point that I wanted to make today. When God calls us, whatever it is that the Lord is going to call us to, we've got to expect fear and doubt to come in. Just like going out and, you know, doing this mission in April terrifies me. I, am not, I'm, I can't go out there and do that. But the Lord is able to deal with our fear and doubt. He's, he's not worried about the fact that we go, but Lord, and we initially raise objections. That's absolutely normal. But God was able to, to calm Moses' fears by telling him, I'm going to be with you and letting him know who it was that was going, to be, was going to be with him. But then the Lord gave Moses these three signs. And in a sense, these three signs reinforced what he'd said to him verbally. And he said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a shepherd's staff. And I just want to think about a staff for a moment. A shepherd's staff was a sturdy stick with a hook on the end 
that a shepherd would use to control the sheep. He had authority over the sheep. He could guard the sheep and protect them. He could steer them. It was the one thing that he had in the wilderness that was his, that he had faith in, I suppose. It was his everything. And the Lord said to Moses, throw down this staff. When I was asking the Lord, what's the relevance of the staff? And what I felt the Lord say to me was, the staff is the one thing that Moses had absolute faith in in the wilderness. When he went to sleep at night, that staff was by his side. If something came to attack the sheep, he grabbed his staff to, to, to defend them. If somebody came to attack him, his staff was his defense and his offense. When he felt unsteady in wherever he was going, he would lean on his staff. When he felt, when he felt, um, yeah, when he felt unsure of stuff, he, he could lean on his staff. It was his support system. And God said to him, throw it down. And the staff turned into a snake and a snake is a symbol of deception. And when we look back to what God had said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and to eat and to the people of Israel and to lead the people out. You can understand that Moses in his own human strength would have said, I can't do this in my own strength. If I had to rely on my understanding, on my strength, on my knowledge, on my power, it was like his staff. But the Lord said to him, when he threw it down and it turned into a snake, like I said, the snake is a, a symbol of deception. And if we rely on our own strength when God tells us to do something, it will deceive us. We will be deceived. We've got to rely on God alone and on his leading. Moses, so, so that stuff, although it was a physical symbol, it had a spiritual meaning as well. You rely on this for your everything. God was saying to Moses, rely on me. Throw it down. He didn't ask him to put it down or rest it. He said, cast it down. And we've got to recognize that whatever the Lord calls us to do, as soon as we start to recognize that our wisdom, whatever it is that we rely on to strengthen us, to get through things, once we realize that we're leaning on that, we've got to cast it down because it's only through God that we're gonna be able to do whatever he wants us to do. And then God says to Moses, now pick it up by its tail. And when you pick a snake up by its tail, it either tries to flee or it tries to turn and attack you. But because you've got it by the tail, it's not able to get round and attack you very easily. It's its weakest point. We're never gonna be able to get away from our own wisdom, our own strength, our own knowledge, whatever it is that we rely on. God's not gonna take that away from us, but we've gotta remember that when we cast it down, pick it up by its weakest point again, because we're trusting in God, not in ourselves. So that would have given Moses something to think about every time he looked at his staff, every time God asked him to do something and he thought about his staff, lay down yourself and trust in the Lord. And when Moses picked it up again, it turned into a staff again. When God's in control of our wisdom, our strength, our knowledge or whatever, it's useful to him. But if we do it out of our own strength, it will deceive us. 
the next sign that God gave to Moses was, he said, put your hand inside of your cloak. And when he drew his hand out, his hand was sick, it was leprous, it was, it was white as snow. And the hand talks about action. God just didn't give Moses a plan and just say, that's it. There was something that needed to be done. And he said in his word, Pharaoh's never going to let the people go with your strength alone. I need to raise my mighty right hand against him. It's the Lord's hand that was going to move. But Moses, before he put his hand in his cloak and the Lord said to him, look at your hand, automatically, there would have been nothing wrong with his hands. He was, although he was 80 years old, he was out there tending sheep. So he had strong hands, capable hands. You know, he, was, he wasn't afraid to do whatever needed to be done. But the Lord was trying to show him, if you try to achieve this with your own actions, with your own hands, with your power and your strength, it is not going to work. You need the mighty hand of God to move before you. And all you're doing is following, following what he says. And when he put his hand back in his cloak and pulled it out again, his hand was made whole. So again, it would have reminded him every time the Lord said to him, Moses, I want you to do this or that or the other. Just imagine him looking at his hands and just remembering, Lord, it's your hands. You're the one that's going to release the people in Egypt. You're the one that's going to go before me to let the Hebrews know you've sent me. You're the one that's going to go before Pharaoh. Everything that he did, it was God's hand, God's mighty hand that was going to do it. And the last sign that God gave him was to go to the Nile and draw some water out, and pour it onto the floor, and it would turn to blood. And I really was thinking about this. I thought, Lord, what's the, what's the relevance of this? But it talks about service in the sense that God was asking Moses, remember he was, the, he was seen as the prince of Egypt by both the Egyptians and the Hebrews. If he wanted to fetch water, he wouldn't do it himself. He'd call on a slave or a servant to go and do that for him. But Moses had to humble himself in front of the Hebrews. They would have been looking at him and going, what are you doing? You're supposed to be the prince, what are you doing? The Egyptians as well, if there were any there, would have said, You're, you lived as a prince, what are you doing? Going and fetching water, that's, that's the actions of a slave, of a servant. But God was asking Moses to humble himself and become his servant. And he humbled himself before God and in front of men. In order to, to enact God's purpose, he had to humble himself. Then there was an action involved. He had to bend down and draw water from the, from the river. So again, God was saying to him, A, I want you to humble yourself before me. And all I want you to do is do what I've told you to do. God told him, go draw some water. You don't have to, you don't have to make it up yourself. Just go and draw the water and then pour it out onto the floor and it would turn to blood. And this, this talks about sacrifice because the blood represented sacrifice. So for Moses to, to achieve the things that God was calling him to do, he had to humble himself. 
he had to do what God told him to do only, but also he had to be willing to make sacrifices, sacrifices of his time. He left his family for a while. He had to sacrifice his own, his own, um, what's the right word? His own, oh, I can't think of the word now, what am I trying to say? His own esteem, if you like, in front of people. He had to be willing to make himself low in front of people so that God could lift him up. So God gave him these three symbols. And you can imagine that as Moses went through all that he went through as he led the people out of Egypt, every time he looked at his staff, it would have reminded him, not in my strength, Lord, yours. You're the one that said you're going to be with me. You're the one who's going to go before me as the Lord God Almighty, Lord of everything. Whenever God told him to do anything, the minute he looked at his hands, he would have remembered, it's not my strength. It's not my hands that's going to do it. It's yours, Lord, because you had the plan in the first place. And he was able to show and tell Moses exactly what his plan was going to be. And every time Moses maybe looked at a glass of water, maybe he was reminded, maybe he was just reminded, Lord, I've got to humble myself. I've got to be willing to do what you've asked me to do. And there's going to be sacrifice involved. And I just want to ask us this morning, when the Lord said he heard our cries, if the Lord came to us this morning and said, Guys, I'm ready. I'm looking for people to use, to do this or to do that or to the other. How many of us would initially bring up our list of objections? But Lord, but Lord, look at my life. Look at, look at this, look at that. The problems that I've had, the sin in my life, I'm unworthy. Will we remember that God says, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one to lead you. Are we gonna remember that God chooses imperfect human beings to fulfill his plans. So every single one of us here this morning is of value. And every single one of us here has a purpose in God's plan, not our plan. And the beauty of it is, is God's had this plan right from the very beginning. It's not something he suddenly just thought of. He knew this time was coming when the church, not just us, but the wider church would be crying out and saying, Lord, where are you? Lord, we want to be effective for you. And is the Lord looking at us? Is he trying to get into the way of some of us to attract our attention? Ooh, I'm trying to call you. I'm trying to tell you that thing that you're impassioned about in your heart, that thing that you've been praying about, that thing that you've been worried about. I'm trying to tell you something. I've got a plan. Are you listening? Are we listening or are we saying, Lord, not me? Are we acknowledging that God has said, I've already devised what it is that I want you to do. And all I'm asking you to do is humble yourself. Do what I've told you to do and serve me. But it's also going to take sacrifice. And maybe we're going to have to sacrifice our time. Whatever it is that we put value upon, whatever it was that Moses would have put his value on, he had to sacrifice that in order to fulfill God's plan. And maybe God will call us to sacrifice as well. I know for me, one of the big ones is time. 
It's so easy to get caught up in so many different things. And I'm aware that God is saying, Sam, come, come and spend some time with me. And you get caught up in something else. And before you know it, you've forgotten God. But the Lord is asking us this morning, are we ready? Are we willing? And in that prayer meeting that we had on that same day that the, the tongues was given, in the prayer meeting, the Lord was asking us as a church, are we willing to do what is necessary? Are we willing to, to sacrifice our time? Are we willing to hear him? Willing to do whatever it is that he says, willing to receive people coming into the church who are far from perfect, but who, as pastor said this morning, we will have to disciple. We will have to love them and care for them and nurture them. And the Lord is asking us this morning, are we willing? Are we willing to, to, it's okay to be like Moses. It's all right to be doubtful. It's all right to be fearful. And it's all right even to admit, Lord, my faith is weak. I hear what you're saying, but my faith is weak. But remember the three signs that the Lord gave to Moses. Throw down your staff. Throw down whatever it is that you rely on to get you through. Whatever it is that you rely on when things get hard or get bad or doubtful, throw that down before the Lord because it will deceive you. If that's what you're using, it will deceive you. Remember that it is the hand of God that is going before you. He's already prepared the place. He's already prepared everything. He's asking us to act and be prepared to humble ourselves. Do as God has asked us to do and be prepared to sacrifice whatever it is that the Lord calls us to do. We'll know, we'll know what it is because he'll tell us. So I just wanted to share this very short, you know, message that I just felt the Lord lay on me um, just as we finished the 21 days of fasting. And as I say, when I heard that, that interpretation where the God says, I've heard your cry. We've been crying for a long time. And as the scripture says, is the Lord getting ready to act now? But is he looking for people who are willing to partner with him? Because God wants to partner with us. He doesn't need us. He can do it all himself, but he wants to partner with us, imperfect, weak us, to show people out there that God is real. So I'm just going to leave that with you this morning and maybe ask Pastor if he'll, he'll pray for us. Amen.